Have you ever had anybody ask you, how's your love life? Um, I personally, when I was dating my wife, Susanna, uh, five, six years ago, we uh, were dating. It was long distance. She's in California. I'm in Arkansas. It was long distance. And what's interesting is we actually had never been with each other longer than two weeks at one time when we got married. So like after we got married, uh, two weeks passed by and I was like, I was like, you're still here. It's weird, you know? We, it was just, it was just, it's crazy because we were just never together. It was a long distance relationship. We dated for three years. It was a lot of money on plane tickets and it was totally worth it. But it was just, it was a, it was a weird thing. So in between the times that we were together, uh, I'd have some of you in here, some of my friends, they would call me, text me, ask me face to face, how's your love life? How's your love life? And I would say, awesome, man. You know, I, I talked to her last night for three hours and we were just, it was awesome. You know, I was on cloud nine. But today I'm going to ask you that same question. How's your love life? And I'm not talking to you about in specific your relationship with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your fiance or your parents or children or friends, brothers, sisters. I'm going to talk to you today about how is your love life in a few different areas. So as we start off here in your notes, um, I got all these right in front of me. So I know I don't want to miss any for you because it's like so frustrating when I don't get it last week or two weeks ago. I missed one of the notes and so did somebody else. And I I was like, hey, did you get this note? I was going to write it down to study later. And they're like, I didn't get it either. And it was just frustrating. He asked like three different people and they didn't get the note. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not going to be able to finish it. And I have like this weird problem with not finishing things. So I'm going to try to get you every one of these notes here. Instead of answering the questions, what is love? Even though it's a great question. Or why should we love? When should we love? Or how should we love? Today we're going to answer the question, who should we love? You know, there's a lot of really good topics we could talk about love, and and those are all really good questions. But today, I'm going to very briefly talk to you about who we should love. Does anybody in here know what an acronym is? An acronym, you you know, the, the ones that you have the first letter of the word, and you take all the words, first letters, and you make another word. For instance, like joy would be, you, you could do like Jesus, J, others, O, U, Y, joy. That's how you have joy, is if you keep Jesus first and put others second and you last. That's an, an example of an acronym. Well, I, uh, when I was a teenager, God gave me this acronym of love. And I, I, I asked the question, I was like, you know, you know, who should I love? I know there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but he gave me this acronym as a teenager. And I thought to myself, you know, this acronym has helped me so often remind me of who I should love. So we're going to go through these. There's obviously only four points. There's four letters in love, if you didn't know that. And so point number one, the letter L, we're going to start with the Lord. The Lord. And this is the person. It's just so interesting that the L would be Lord and it would be first because it's the person we are supposed to love the most. Now, uh, teenagers, I get this question a lot, and I'm sure parents out there would get this question a lot. They would agree with me. When you tell somebody to do something, uh, especially a child or a younger person, 
the question that they ask is why? 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 And so as I tell you we should love the Lord the most, the question comes up why? Well, let's look up this verse here, Matthew 22, 37 to 38, and it'll be on the screen here. It says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So why should we love the Lord first? Well, let me give you the first reason we should love the Lord first is according to this verse here in Matthew 22, 37 to 38, if we disobey this command, you have failed to do God's greatest command. If you fail to do this command, you fail to do God's greatest command. Something that's interesting is I find myself sometimes looking at somebody and saying, wow, that person has issues. God, thank you for not letting me have those issues. Wow, that person is just a bad person. And then he reminds me, he says, what's my greatest commandment? Oh, that's to love, you know, the Lord your God, love you with all your, all my heart, all my soul, my mind. He said, how you doing? And I, and I uh, I'm disobeying that commandment today. I've already messed up. I didn't love the Lord with all my heart and all my soul. So he says, all right, that's what I thought. You've disobeyed my greatest commandment and you are here judging others when they have just disobeyed the same commandment you have just in a different way. See, if we love God, we will obey his commandments. Second reason is if we love God most, we will love others best. So why should we love the Lord the most? Because if we love God most, we'll love others best. Now, some of you are thinking, Mo, your dad, you know, maybe he made the wrong decision having you up here. He asked you, you know, too soon. You're not making much sense. If, 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 we're, if we love God the most, how is that going to help us to love others best? Because we are, I mean, that would take obviously away from some of the relationships we have here on earth. If we're going to love him most, how is that going to work out? Well, the reason we will love others best when we love God most is that love in its truest and purest form only comes from God because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says this, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. You see, so often we find ourselves trying to love each other in our own power and in our own way. It's, it, it, I try to love my wife and I try to love my daughter and I try to love my students and I try to love you guys in a specific way. But sometimes I do it without going to God for it. And that's just retarded. It's, it doesn't even make any sense. God is love. He is the source of all love. So if we go to God and we love God most, he will give us the love that we can love others best. But how often do we find ourselves living life and trying to love others And we don't go to God for it. You see, the same truth is with love. Everyone is searching for love in the wrong places. Hollywood tells us that love's a certain way, right? Uh, I tell my students this. It's like culture tells us that, like, you know, 
the, the movie The Notebook is like true love. Like Ryan Gosling and I don't even, what's the chick's name? Uh, uh, is it Rachel? I don't even know her name. Anyways, I don't know. I don't keep up. In, but I, I've seen the movie. The Notebook is like, you know, that's true love. That's, that's true love. When in all reality, what is true love? Love in its truest and purest form is God. And if we love God, we'll love others best. Don't get caught up in what culture tries to tell you what love is. Go to God. The truth is, we're only able to love him or anyone else because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19, that's what it says. We love because he first loved us. We can't love like we should without him loving us and understanding his love for us first. Think about that song we sang up there earlier. If you were thinking about the words, uh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. And you think about all the things he's done for you and how he loves you. And when you think about that, it's easy to love others. Because you've experienced that love. It's amazing when you just start thinking about it. I was, it was interesting. I was traveling back from uh, Vanuatu for our missions trip with the students. And we had 13 students maybe in the back of the van traveling back from Dallas. And my wife, they were all sleeping. It was kind of late. It was like maybe 1130 or 12. I wasn't really tired. Um, if I was tired, I'd have gone for Dr. Pepper or, you know, my sunflower seeds. That's like my go-to. I, I'm a road warrior when I have those things. But when I, when I don't have those things, uh, they were all sleeping. My wife, she was up there keeping me awake. No, she was out too. She was out cold. So everybody's sleeping. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to keep myself awake. And I just started thinking about the different songs I could sing about God's love. And if you think about just the songs in general about God's love, it's probably my favorite type of worship songs. Just reminding myself that God loves me and how much he loves me. And I started to sing, he's a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. He started talking to me, and he started to speak to me these different songs. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. And he started to sing to me these songs. And, and I literally, it was, it was interesting. I, I don't know if any of the teenagers like saw me or heard me singing. It was like 100 degrees outside. And we had no AC in the van. So I was sweating like crazy. And, and so I don't know if they saw me sweating up there. I started to bawl. I started to cry singing about these songs. And so I don't know if they looked and saw me in the rearview mirror. And like, dude, man, he's got some issues up there, you know. But I was just bawling and crying. And just like, man, this is amazing. God loves me. It's just insane how much he loves me. And whenever I think about that, it helps me to be able to love others like I should. And it's just so, so crazy that often we come and we come try to love people. We come to church and we try to love others with the love that is our own and we don't go to God for it. And if we just understand that God is love and that we can go to him and he loves us, we can love others best. Number two, moving along here. Number one, the L is for Lord. Number two, the O, I would like to put that as others. Others. Luke 10, 25 through 37. We're going to talk about this passage of scripture. And this is a very famous passage of scripture. This is actually 
uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus tells the story. So let's read about this story. I love this passage of scripture. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. So a couple things to notice is, first of all, this is a lawyer. This guy's smart. He's educated. And he's trying to put him, who's him, Jesus, to the test. So he's going to try to put Jesus to the test. And he asks him this question. He says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so you hate when people ask you a question like you already know the answer to. Um, I have that happen all the time with my students. I'll be, uh, we take, we take trips all the time. And I'm probably the reason I'm not, I haven't spoken on Sunday mornings yet is because I'm like the crazy person on staff. I'm the guy who actually like chooses to be with teenagers, like his whole life. It's so I'm like traveling with these students and we are, we, we, we were in a pigeon forge for teen revolution for a week long, uh, conference that we host there. And we were staying the night and we stayed up late. I mean, when I say late, I'm not talking about, you know, wow, 10.30 p.m. Let's get to bed now. It's late. I'm talking like 2, 3 a.m. I mean, we're late. We're having conversations. We're talking. We're having a good time. And, and so finally, it's around 2-something a.m. And I get in my bed and I roll my covers up and I get, and it's got the, air, the AC going cold so you can snuggle underneath the covers. You know, it's just like epic. And so I'm laying underneath my covers and I'm closing my eyes. And one of the students says, hey, Coach Mo, you trying to sleep? No, I'm not trying to sleep. I'm closing my eyes. It's 2 a.m. and I'm just trying to, yes, I'm trying to sleep, of course. I, and then I get out of the shower one night and I have my towel around me. I've got maybe a little water on my arm and, hey, Coach Mo, you just get out of the shower? No, I missed. I mean, what, what kind of question is that, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, Man, these guys, they're asking questions they, don't know, they already know the answer to. Well, what's interesting is this guy already knew the answer to this question, and Jesus knew this. And, and he says to him, this is what Jesus says to this lawyer. Uh, okay, so, so what's written in the law? How do you read it? And this guy says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, oh, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So the guy's like a little embarrassed. It's kind of like, you know, Jesus kind of, he tried to pick a a fight with Jesus and like he he should have known he's God. Okay, so he's not going to win this argument. He's not going to be able to stump Jesus, but he's kind of been made fun of. His friends are kind of like, dude, you know, you kind of look pretty dumb right now. And and so look at what he does here in this next verse. If you look with me in verse 20, uh, excuse me, in, uh, let's see, verse 29. He tries to, he's embarrassing, he tries to redeem himself. So he goes, look at here, verse 29, he says, But he, being a lawyer, desiring to justify himself. So like, okay, I look stupid there, but let me ask you another question, Jesus. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So Jesus then begins to tell him the story of this, uh, this parable of the Good Samaritan. And before I tell you the story, I'm going to give you a little background to the story. You see, um, to go from Jer- Jerusalem to Jericho, it was about 25 miles. They didn't have uh, cars, okay, back then. Um, they didn't have the technology that we have today. Uh, they didn't have GPS, fastest route, okay. This was a 25-mile hike, or they could get on a donkey or a mule or something like that. And what they would do is they would actually um, ride around 
Samaria. Now, Samaria was right in the middle, and all they had to do, really, is go straight through, and it had taken them a lot quicker. But what these Jews would do is they would go around Samaria to get to Jericho, because if they were caught, check, this is crazy. If they were caught with a Samaritan, eating with them, drinking with them, talking with them, if they were caught, period, you ready for this? Sometimes they wouldn't even be allowed to worship God for two months. Could you imagine that? They couldn't go to the temple to worship God. Oh, we, we caught you with the Samaritans, so you can't come to church and worship God for two months. I mean, that's pretty crazy. They think that the Samaritans are pretty unclean people. You, you getting me? Uh, this, is, this is like, you know, you're, you're, uh, let, me, let me put into example Sunday morning. You know, you see somebody you not really like. You don't really want to talk to them. They're going to talk your ear off. So you look and you're like, I could go to the bathroom. I've got to go pretty bad. It's going to take me about 15 seconds. I'll take a minute and a half and walk around that person and go the other way so I can get to the bathroom. That's kind of, let's put it in that. Obviously, that's a little bit dumbed down, but this is extreme. They did not want to walk through Samaria because they did not like these Samaritans. So if you keep that in mind, okay, keep this in mind as we read this parable, it will make a lot more sense as to how crazy and how absurd this story really is. And Jesus replied, A young man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. They stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. Sweet. God always provides. He sent a priest. The priest is obviously going to help the Samaritan. So we're, we're good. We got the priest. And, and it says that the priest, he shows up, he walks by. It says that he literally sees him. It says it. And saw him. And he, and he goes on the other side of the road and walks by him. But, but guys, don't worry. I know the priest let us down, but it says, So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, the Levite's going to do his job right. No, he passed on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, this unclean person, this person that if he was caught with him, he, would be, he wouldn't be able to worship God for two months. I mean, he would be... Pretty, pretty much persecuted pretty t- intensely if he was caught with this guy. But the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal. This guy could have had 24 more miles to hike. And he sets this guy who hates him on this mule or his donkey, his animal. And he walks next to him and lets him ride into town. That's amazing. Then when he actually gets to town, he brings him to an inn and he takes care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which is about $100. And he gave it to the innkeeper and he says, look, take care of him. This is for last night. Take care of him, and whatever more you need to spend, I will repay you when I come back. Then Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be his neighbor? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Here's a truth that we can learn about loving others. It's in your notes here. To truly love others 
We've got to take action. Can you imagine a Samaritan walking by? Love you, brother. Praying for you. Hope it all gets better. Did he love him? Well, he said he loved him. What did he do? He took action. It's not good enough just to say you love somebody. Man, it's not good enough just to say you love your wife. Prove it. It's funny, I was laying last night. Uh, my wife and I were watching a movie with my brother. And uh, she, she was like, uh, she asked me to rub her hair. I don't know, it didn't make any sense to me. I don't have any, so, you know, whatever. But she was like, rub my hair. And, and uh, I was like, oh, baby, I love you. And she was like, no, you don't. If you did, you rub my hair. I was like, okay, you're right. So I rubbed her hair. I don't even, she said I'm not very good at it. I'm trying to get better at it. But anyways, but what was it? I, I was proving my love to her because I wanted to make sure that she knew it. How? By proving it to her. God convicted me at Teen Revolution. I told my students this after the first night. The speaker was speaking about how we're fighting against a spiritual enemy. And he mentioned this. It wasn't even a main part of of his message. It wasn't a main point. But he said, how can you say you love someone if you don't pray for them? And I thought to myself, I say I love my students. I say I love my wife. I say I love my daughter. I say I love my family. I say I love my church. But how often do I pray for them? Man, I got convicted. I got an app on my phone. It's called Prayer. I don't, it's pretty, it's called Prayer, literally. And I, it, you can create different prayer lists. I've got all my students' names by name, first and last. I've got my wife's name, my daughter's name. It's not that I have to remember their name. It's that I need to remember to pray for them. It can send you alerts. It can send you reminders. Do you pray for your husband's wives? Do you pray for your Wives, husbands, do you pray for your children? Children, do you pray for your parents? Do we pray for our church? If we love each other, we're going to pray. It's one of the greatest things that we can do. We're fighting a spiritual battle. Prove your love through action. Prove it. So number one, L, love the Lord. We got to love him most. Number two, O, others, we got to love them through action. Number three, moving along here. Now, some of you are thinking, all right, Mo, what are you going to pull out with V? Like, the only word I know that starts with V is like Vaseline. I don't know what you're going to do here, you know. What's the... So I had to come up with a word. I'm not going to lie. I had to look a word up because I didn't, I was like struggling with the V. I was like, come on, God, you know. And I came up with this word, uh, this word, vagabond. Mo, you made that word up. No, I didn't. I promise. You can look it up. Love the Lord, love others, and love the vagabonds. What does vagabond mean? A vagabond, according to the dictionary, is this. It's a person who wanders from place to place without a home or job. So we could consider a vagabond a homeless person. Maybe a very, very, very poor person. Maybe... 
thinking about the recent events, somebody who lost their home in the hurricane. I was watching the news and I saw an older lady. She was retired. She was a widow. And she lost everything she had. She didn't have insurance on it. And I thought to myself, that's so sad. What can I do about that? Well, obviously I can pray for her, but what is our church doing? Our church has the opportunity to give. We have the opportunity to give gift cards that we can send to Jack Englert and and maybe we can have a small impact on that person's life. But see, some of you are thinking, no, I don't really... I don't really got that much. Well, let's look in Matthew 5.42. This is the scripture here that I want to read to you. It says, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Give to the one who begs from you. According to the scripture, you're supposed to give to the one who begs from you. Jordan, I'm begging for you for money. No, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. So what does this mean? I thought to myself, God, listen, if I were to take every dollar I had out of the bank, if I were to sell everything I have and and get all of it in cash, cash all that out and get all of it in pennies, if I were to chop each penny in half and force it in eights, and I were to give each homeless person a a, a little eighth of a penny, I wouldn't have enough money to, to add. I mean, I went to New, uh, New York this summer for family vacation. If you've ever been to New York and walked the streets, you have seen thousands and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of homeless people. And I thought to myself, God, I can't get, you, you're commanding me to give everyone who begs of me? I can't, I don't have enough money to do that. And this is what's interesting. God gave me this. We were, we were walking down the street. We we're going to get some uh, Dunkin' Donuts or I don't even know what we were doing. We we're going to get a bagel or something. And we were walking down the street. We we're walking with a glow. Joe and Zoe probably remember this. And uh, we were walking down the street, and this homeless man, we were walking down with Glow, my special needs sister, and this guy was in a cardboard box, and he kind of sits up, and he just wakes up. And Glow walks by, and she goes, hey, brother! And the guy's like, hey, sister! And I thought to myself, huh, if I don't have the money... Maybe I, could, maybe I could give them something else. Maybe I could give them a smile. Maybe I can encourage them. Maybe I could serve them. Maybe I could do something other than do nothing. Let's look at scripture here. I don't want to lie to you guys. I don't want to give you my opinion. Let's look at scripture here. In Acts 3, 3 verse 6 it says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. He doesn't have any money. But he goes to this guy and he says, But what I do have... I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now you're thinking, Mo, now you're talking, you know, now you want us to heal people, okay? You're, you're going crazy. Your dad needs to get you, you know, riled up. He needs to make sure you're, you, you, he's gone through the whole sermon with you before. You want us to heal people now? No. But what I'm saying is maybe we could give them a spiritual healing. Maybe we could talk to them about the Lord. Maybe we could invite them to church. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could do something like that. You see, we may not be able to heal them physically. We may not be able to give them money or things. But what we can do is offer them spiritual healing, which ultimately is the ultimate healing. There's always something that we can give. Give 
what you have. What do you have? Do you have money? Do you have this? Do you have that? Uh, do you have something? For instance, do you have uh, uh, our, our small group, my small group in the youth group, um, every month we try to do some type of service activity. Uh, and afterwards we'll bring them over to the house. We'll have, we'll, we'll, uh, my wife and I feed them. But what we'll do is we'll do a service. Uh, one time um, or two times we've helped like a widow in the church uh, do some yard work. Uh, one time we've helped uh, the Jackson house serve. One time or two times we've gone to a nursing home and just been a blessing to the older people in the nursing home that don't really have a ton of family maybe that visit them often. We've just got to sing them and encourage them. We've got to do these certain things. We have a guy, a kid in our uh, church, uh, Hunter, uh, Hunter Simmons, who has created his own charity called Hunter for the Hungry. And we've been able to help him uh, distribute food to the homeless here in town. When's the last time you've done something for a vagabond? The Bible, we've already read a couple verses. Let's go ahead and read a few more verses. If you don't believe me that the Bible's serious about helping out the vagabond or helping out the homeless and poor, let's just check out another verse here. Proverbs 14, 31, it says this. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. I'm, this isn't me talking. This is, I mean, it's me talking, but I'm reading God's word. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Let's read Luke 12, 33 through 34. It says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. It's pretty strong there. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where, no, for where your treasure is, excuse me, there will your heart be also. It says, tells us to sell our possessions and give to the needy. Now, Mo, listen, I think that's kind of crazy. I'm not telling you guys to sell everything you have and give it to some guy on the street. That's probably not going to be a wise stewardship role, okay? God wants us to be wise stewards with our money as well. But what I am saying is, if you have some, for instance, I have a, I have a truck and trailer. I have um, lawn equipment. People have asked me for my truck and trailer. In fact, I think... I have let other people use my lawn equipment more than I actually use it myself. Many people in our church have used my lawn equipment, and it's great. And originally, you know what I thought? Originally, I thought, God, like, really? Like, I don't want them to break my equipment. I don't want them to do this. I don't want them to do that. And he said, well, no, maybe I gave you that equipment because I trusted you that you would give as well. Maybe I gave you a truck and trailer because I knew you'd be a person that I could trust to let somebody else use your truck and trailer to help them move in. Maybe I gave you some lawn equipment that you can let somebody else mow their lawn, lawn as well and not have to go buy a new mower right now. And I thought to myself, that's a good point. Can God trust you with things? Can God give you things because he knows that you're going to give to others? That's, a, that, that's something that has really been a burden on my heart. And every time I get even a little bit like, oh, I don't want to lend this out or I don't want to give this, God just says, I gave it to you. Can I trust you? And you know what's interesting? I've heard it said this way. I've heard it said, I've never seen a poor person become poor because he gave too much. Think about that. Yeah, I'm just, I have no money. I'm poor. I don't have any money because I just, I gave it all away. 
I've never met anybody like that. Look at this verse. You ready for this? This is going to blow you away. I'm excited about this verse. Y'all excited about this verse? Here we go. Proverbs 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. Do you believe God's promises? I'm not, this is, this is the book of wisdom, okay? This is Proverbs. I'm not making this up. It says, whoever gives to the poor will not want. It doesn't say you get whatever you want. It says you won't want. I'm not going to want if I give to the needy because I believe that God's promises are true. And he promises me, promises me this. He says also, but he who abides, excuse me, he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Here's my last verse for this point. And this is a scary one. Pay attention to this. Proverbs 21, 13 also says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor, I don't want to hear the cry. I don't want to see him. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. You're going to call out and say, God, I need this. I need, I'm not, I'm not going to answer that. When you heard the cry of the poor, you didn't answer. So, lastly, number one, you got to love the Lord. Love the Lord the most. Number two, you got to love the, the, the um, for O, you got to love others. You got to prove that through action. And number three, with V, we got we to gotta make sure that we love the vagabonds and we got to give what we have. And lastly, and I'm done. Number four, E. Some of you may have guessed it. Love your enemies. Ah! I thought you were going to miss it. Luke 6, 27 through 29 and verse 32 through 35 says this. But I say to you who hear. Everybody in here hopefully can hear me today. It says, love your enemies. This is just insane. This is just like, it's so hard for me. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. I was out here weed eating yesterday with uh, Brother Giles. He's my moment partner. And Travis, I don't know if he's, uh, uh, there he is, Travis. He was helping me weed eat yesterday, some of the property around here. And I was weed eating and I guess, I don't even know. I was just weed eating in, a, I guess, a, one of the, like a rock or something. I don't know. Flew up and I didn't do it on purpose, obviously, but it, it hit somebody's car driving by. And this lady stops the car and she like backs up and she cusses me out for hitting her car with the thing. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to be smart, Alec, and say, I didn't do it on purpose. What are you thinking? You know, I'm volunteering. I can't believe but God, God had given me this, and he said, ah, 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 ah. And I said, God bless you. And she was, she didn't know how to respond to that. She was like, what in the world? I just cuss this guy out, and he just blessed me with God. I mean, what in the world? And she drove off, and I thought to myself, man, that felt good. Let's bless somebody who cursed me. Yes. I'm doing good, God. You're awesome. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, I honestly can say that I've never been physically or emotionally abused, but I know that in a crowd this size, I can guarantee you there's somebody in here or a few people who've been abused in some way. 
It says, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. You ready for this? Here it is again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Think about your example in Jesus. They spit in his face. They mocked him. They ripped his beard out. They crucified him, nailed him to a cross for absolutely nothing. And he loved them enough. He could have called 10,000 angels to just wipe out the earth. And he decided, I love these people too much. It's an unconditional love. Closing thoughts and I'm done. First one, we should love everyone. Mo, are you kidding me? You're saying we should love everyone. You could have said that in the very beginning and we could have been out of here. Okay, if I would have said we love everyone, leave, then my dad might have gotten a little mad at me, all right? So, so I had to come up with a message. Don't, don't, all right, here we go. So we should love everyone. You ready for this? If you choose who to love, ultimately you're choosing who not to love. And this leads to anger, hate, jealousy, and eventually violence. We have a lot of violence in America right now. A lot of anger and hate. You look at the news for five seconds and you've seen three hate stories of these hate groups and these... I can't believe America's like this. What? We're a Christian nation. What? But the problem is, we've chosen who to love. As Christians, personally, I've done this. I love this person, this person, and this person, and mm, we've chosen who to love. Could you imagine if we loved everyone like we should, like Jesus loves everyone? What an impact we could make. Racism, you know what happened to racism? Gone. If we truly love like we should, like Jesus loves, it would be gone. Racism's gone. Abuse, gone. Rape, gone. All kinds, every single criminal activity, gone. We're not going to steal from one another. We're not going to do, because, because we love each other. But here's the other problem. We love how we think we should love instead of going to the source. You don't have to like everyone. My, my, my mom used to always tell me this. You don't have to like everyone, but you got to love everyone. You ever heard that? There's certain people that I don't, I mean, in my, in my human nature, I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't like you right now. I love you, though. Last thing, and this is so powerful, and this is what got me so, oh, my goodness. How we love others reveal how we love God. How we love others reveals how we love God. Oh, I love God. Obviously, Mo, I love God. 
I don't know, how are you doing with loving others? 1 John 3, 17 says this, but if anyone who has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does, the love, how does God's love abide in him? How do you have God's love if you won't give to the needy when you see it? 1 John 4, 20 says this, you ready for this? If anyone says, I love God, oh, I love God. Look, I came to church. I give to the church. I do. I love God. Amen, brother. If, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, and this isn't just your actual brother, okay? This is others. The next four words are scary. He is a liar. You're a liar. I, am, I have been a liar in my lifetime. I tell people I love God. I tell people I love them. I don't prove it. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So here's my question for you. Do you love the Lord? Do you love others? Do you love the vagabonds and your enemies? On a scale of one to ten, rank yourself. Oh, I think I'm probably at a six right now with the Lord. I mean, I could do better. Others, I mean, I consider, I mean, maybe a seven, six, five, I don't know. Vagabonds, huh? two, three. Enemies, hmm, negative four. <laughs> God doesn't say that, he, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. Guys, we can't be perfect here, but what we can do is we can work at getting better. Can you love a little more? This week, you go to work, right? You go to work. Students, you go to school. Can you love on your coworkers? Can you love on your classmates? I'm not talking about the ones that are already your friends. I'm talking about the ones that, the, the students, the one that just made fun of you last week. Coworkers, I'm talking about the one who just got the promotion that you wanted. Can you love? Can you imagine what would happen to this city if we just had a church that was just full of love and people were just experienced God's love all over? I mean, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be with a coworker or a student and you're like, ha, huh, I got away with it, wherever you go, love. Go to the Walmart cashier, love on that person. You go to you, you you're not a Walmart person, you go to Kroger, love on that cashier. Love on the bad guy who bags your stuff for you. Wouldn't it be just awesome if Gospelite was just known as like a church of love? You know, I was looking at the Facebook, um, the Facebook reviews of Gospelite. And we had like, it was pretty solid. Check it out sometime. We had like five stars, okay? Five stars. Only one one star. And we love that person. But we had a lot of five stars. Wouldn't it be amazing wouldn't it be amazing if everybody who reviewed was just like, I don't know, worship was good, sermon good. I've never experienced love like that in my life from a church congregation. We could change the city. I truly believe this with all my heart. God is not done with America. God has one more revival. I believe that with all my heart. And it's going to start with someone. Why wouldn't it be us? Could we start this love revolution that would 
just change this entire country and see revival? Let's be a church that loves. We have a pastor who loves people. He, he, he doesn't just say it, he proves it. And I've seen that over and over and over again, but what about its members? What about its youth pastor? What about its ushers? What about its people who just sit in the pew and they don't, they don't really have maybe a title, but they're a member of this church and they're going to love to the best of their ability because that's something they can do. Love the Lord most. Love others. Prove it with your actions. Love the vagabonds. Give what you have. And love your enemies. Maybe there's somebody here today and I'm done that you say, Mo, I just, I, I can't love like I should because I don't know the Lord. I don't know the Lord. I don't, I haven't experienced his love before. I've never experienced that, but I want to. I want to know what that is all about. I want, I want to feel that love. What, what is this about God's love that you're talking about? I, I'd like to experience that. I, I, I want to be able to love like he loves. We're going to give you an opportunity here in a second to do that. And as I pray, and as the worship team comes up and starts to play a song. I, I want you guys to think about this. For those of you who haven't experienced God's love and you may not be saved, come up and ask somebody about that. I'll be up here. You may be able to have somebody else up here from the church that maybe a pastor, things of that nature, maybe an usher that would be able to help out with that. And Let's get that settled. And for those of you who already are saved, love father God you're you are love you're love and so often I find myself trying to love others without you and I apologize for that I know I don't love you like I should and if I'm being honest today God I can't not in my own power but I know I can love you more with your help God, I'm asking you today to help me, help these awesome, wonderful people of gospel light to understand their need for you and to love you more so we can love others best. Help us to love our spouses more. Help us to love our children more. Help us to love our parents more. Help us to love our siblings more. Help us to love our enemies more. Help us to love the poor more. God, help us to love the people that are unlovely, that have nothing in return. You can do that. You can help us. We believe that. We're claiming your promises. I pray that you'd help us to be a church of love. And for the next 20 years, we set up our next generation with a, just a loving church that is nurtured and we teach the truth we don't leave the truth God help us to stay true to your word but help us to teach your truth and love always whoever's up here on this pulpit we love you in Jesus name I pray amen